Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. As we look at what to watch for and what should be a wide open and very alliterative week 7 on the Bay Area high school football slate. Entering this weekend, no matter where you are in the Bay Area, you're kind of confronted with the same problem. Or, depending on how you look at it, it's a it's a good thing. There's really no one must-see, can't-miss game. That said, there are also very few games that you can just write off and ignore. So you're kind of left to your own devices to figure out what games to pay attention to this week, what matchups you should be interested in. And that's where I come in. I'm here to give you some insight as to what games you should keep an eye on, what matchups to look for, and give you a little insight as to what could determine some of those games. So without further ado, just a quick rundown across the CCS, NCS, and elsewhere within Northern California. Get things started as I record this early Thursday morning, getting ready for a big Thursday night tilt between Aptos and Salinas down at the pit. Looking forward to being there in person for that. The pit is one of the best football atmospheres you could ever find. It's homecoming week at Salinas, and even on a Thursday night, you know that they'll bring it. They'll have the team run out through the purple smoke. Crowd should be great. They'll get to bring out the touchdown tarp. Which, if you haven't seen it before, like, think of a giant soccer banner, like a TIFO, except for a student section, which is set up behind the end zone, and they break it out to celebrate every touchdown. Or field goals. You could also call it the uh, the field goal flag, or field goal fabric, I guess. Anyway, last year, Salinas lost to Aptos for the first time since the formation of the PCAL. Something that... I think kind of blindsided a lot of people, especially considering how good that Salinas senior class was, led by Adam Schaefer, Isaiah Hunter. I believe Emerson Cortez was also on that team. Yeah, that that group was loaded, and Aptos ended up winning a shootout 44-41. It was kind of, in a lot of ways, your typical Aptos game. You know, they go on drives where they rip off 8-yard gain, 8-yard gain, 20-yard gain. The, the sort of game that makes them such a pain to play against, and, I mean, anyone who's faced them will agree, they are a nightmare to match up with. That said, I think Salinas will have an edge heading into this game with a healthier unit than they've had at any point this year, combined with knowing what Aptos can throw at them. I don't think they'll be taking them lightly coming off of last year's defeat. With that in mind, though, this is still a super difficult team to match up with, I would have to lean Salinas here, but I think it's pretty wide open. Both teams enter at 2-3, and three, having started 0-3 against loaded schedules. The other really interesting Thursday night game to me is Sequoia at Aragon in the PAL Ocean. Pretty good one within San Mateo County. Sequoia coming off a couple of really tight losses. They had that three-point loss to Woodside a couple weeks ago. Then coming out of a bye, a two-point loss to Milpitas on a late field goal to open PAL Ocean play. As I've said, the PAL Ocean is really wide open where, conceivably, you could have pretty much everyone at either 2-3 and three or 3-2. and two. Realistically, that probably doesn't happen, and 
someone will end up winning four or five games. But the gap between the top and bottom is minuscule. And if Sequoia gets healthier, because they were really thin at the running back position by the end of that loss to Woodside a couple of weeks ago, they could ground and pound and and be able to do the sort of stuff that Aragon likes to do to opponents, really control the clock. That said, both these teams can throw it. Aragon QB Sean Hickey really stepping into his role in his second year leading the offense, and I was really impressed by Sequoia's Brody McKenna in the one game I got to see him. The term got that dog in him definitely fits there. I know that's a pretty popular one in today's world. One other game that I think could go by the wayside with Fremont Sunnyvale heading to Los Altos. I got to see that matchup a few years ago. It was a makeup game on a Monday in 2021. And I was really impressed with the gigantic Fremont running back, TJ Takafua. Looks like Takafua is now wrestling at North Idaho College. And he's listed at 285 pounds, which would mean he's down 25 from where he was in high school as a 310-pound running back. Los Altos coming off a couple of impressive wins over San Mateo and Carlmont. So both teams want to know in league play, Fremont rolled past El Camino last week. Also, North Monterey County taking on Seaside over in the PCAL Mission North. North County and Seaside both 2-0 in league play. Seaside via the forfeit over Santa Cruz last week. North County, the impressive win over Monta Vista Christian, so that's another one to keep an eye on. It's a league that probably will send its champ to, I would think, Division Four, maybe one of the top seeds in Division Five. I think the way the power leagues work, champion of that league would be destined for a high D4 seed, maybe even get into D3. Friday in the North Coast section few interesting matchups. First off, Dublin and Granada is one that catches my eye. That could already be the game that determines the EBAL Valley, although I'm sure Amador Valley will also have something to say about that. Those seem to be kind of the top three there. No disrespect to Livermore and Doherty Valley. Both those teams come in at 4-2 and two overall. Dublin beat Hayward last week after back-to-back losses. Granada coming in off of the loss to Cal. Speaking of California, the Grizzlies are off this week, but within that EBAL Mountain Division, you've got Monta Vista at Foothill and San Ramon Valley at Clayton Valley. Clayton Valley's had SRV's number these last few years, and you shouldn't be thrown off by their 2-3 and three record, considering the losses are to Arizona Power Higley, Oak Ridge and Jesuit, and they've got quality wins over Salinas and Turlock. They've played one of the best schedules in Northern California. That said, despite the matchup, despite the fact that this game is a Clayton Valley, despite how battle-tested they are, it would be hard to pick against this SRV team with the season they've had to this point. I mean, this might be the best team SRV's had in decades, like, better than the teams that Roy Hulu Jr. played for. And that's that's saying something. Monta Vista and Foothill is an interesting game because against mutual opponents, Foothill beat Amador Valley, Monta Vista lost to Amador, and yet 
results otherwise would suggest that Montevista's had the superior season to this point. So that could end up leading to some really interesting, you know, this team beat this team who beat this team. If Montevista wins that one, could really open up some interesting stuff when NCS seeding rolls around. The one other Friday NCS game that really appeals to me, really jumps out, is Redwood taking on San Marin. Both these teams 5-0. San Marin has long been one of the better teams in Marin County. Redwood has not usually been as strong, so it's pretty cool to see the season that they've had. Would have to think San Marin's favorite in this one, but Redwood does have that really nice win over Rancho Catate. San Marin's best win to this point would definitely be Akalanis. They've rolled through their last few opponents, haven't really been challenged all that much since then. Cool to see three teams at 5-0 in Marin County, and then a fourth in Tam at 5-1. Tam plays Marin Catholic on Saturday. That's really the one Saturday NCS game that catches my eye. Obviously, Marin Catholic is the heavy favorite there. Going by Max Prep's rankings, they're number four. Tam is number 21. This has usually been a running clock game, but this year's matchup appears to be closer, and it's just cool to see Marin Catholic have some competition within the county because outside of San Marin, that really hasn't happened in a long time. When I was looking through the records, the last MCAL team to beat Marin Catholic was Justin Siena, who's not even in Marin County. That was back in 2014. The last actual Marin County team to beat Marin Catholic was Novato, all the way back in 2008. November 15th, 2008. 21-0. Both teams came in 6-0 in league play, and that was the league championship, effectively. But there should be much more traffic ahead for Marin Catholic this year between Tam, Redwood, and, of course, San Marin. San Marin visiting Marin Catholic on that final Saturday of the regular season, November 4th. Back to the CCS. Friday night, I think, is a really wide-open slate. Sacred Heart Prep at Los Gatos, certainly an interesting one. Terranova at San Mateo, both teams 0-1 in that ultra-competitive ocean division. A lot of times, a league loss starting at 0-1, especially in a six-team league where you're only playing five league games, is a death sentence. With the nature of this PAL Ocean Division, that's probably not the case. It's really wide open. Uh, Sacred Heart Prep at Los Gatos. I still can't get a read on this SHP team. Again, I had the misfortune of seeing them in a really rough Week 1 performance against Reardon. Since then, they've beaten Sacred Heart Cathedral in Palo Alto, lost to Hillsdale in a game that seemed like everything in the margins went wrong, and then pulled away from Burlingame in the second half behind a really good special teams performance. I have no clue what to make of this team. I may very well see them at MA this coming week. Los Gatos is still the odds-on favorite to win the PAL Bay. I would give them the nod ahead of Wilcox. I mean, their two losses being to Pittsburgh and Grant reflect pretty well. That said, Wilcox is visiting MA this Friday and seemed to get things going on offense last week, putting up 35 by halftime and rolling down the stretch to beat Mountain View 45-14. The one other PAL Bay game, Burlingame at Mountain View, 
knowing that the Bay Division sends five teams to the playoffs, that's a game that very well could determine that fifth spot. And you may effectively just have to win the one game. I mean, that league is a murderer's row under the new PAL format. Remember last year, the Bay Division was basically an A North and the De Anza was an A South. Now it's just 1 through 6 in the Bay, 7 through 12 in the De Anza, etc. In that De Anza Division, I think the most interesting Friday night matchup would have to be Menlo at Palo Alto, although the other game between Kings Academy and Half Moon Bay could be pretty fun considering that they've played a lot of really good matchups against each other in past years, had the pleasure of seeing a couple of those, including an OT game in the 2021 spring season. Back to that Menlo-Palo Alto game, Vikings getting healthy. Jason Ozen's had a really good year so far, and lineman Ignacio Tupo is narrowing down his college choices. He is going to be a D1 player for sure. His top five are Arizona, BYU, Cal, Utah, and Washington, as was just posted over the weekend thanks to Brandon Huffman of 24-7 Sports. Before we finish diving through the rest of this weekend's games, we're going to take a quick break. I admittedly don't have a witty sponsor here, but I just wanted to break things up. Keep your attention so that this doesn't just sound like a monotone monologue. It's like that part of the service at the synagogue where, you know, you get a couple minutes for silent prayer, except instead of a couple minutes, it's going to be like a few seconds. And we're back on the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. Hope you enjoyed those moments of silence run through a few other CCS games on Friday night. It looks like, via the results of the Twitter poll, I am likely headed to the game between St. Ignatius and St. Francis. I've seen these teams match up at SI three times, but I've actually never seen them at St. Francis. And if that holds up, the poll results hold up, will be my third game at St. Francis already this year. SI is 3-2, and two, and I've been to both of their losses. Their three wins have all been great down-to-the-wire games. The two losses being to SRV, who, again, one of the best in the entire Bay Area, and Reardon in a fun back-and-forth but incredibly long game. Sarah's at Midi on Friday night. Midi ranked 8th in the section. Sarah ranked 1st. And this is a game that I would give a lot more attention to. But as we saw with Sarah and St. Francis this past week, the fact is the gap between the absolute best and the really, really good in high school football is so huge that we'll probably just look at this and say, yep, Sarah won by a lot. And that's honestly the biggest downer with high school football is the gap between the very, very best and the really good is so big That doesn't exist in college football. I mean, I guess at times it has with Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson, but not to this degree, not even close to this degree. Doesn't really exist in basketball. Doesn't really exist in any other sport. So that's that's one of the annoying things about high school football and why sometimes the next couple divisions beyond the very, very top 
are the most fun. Where it's still like a very clearly high level of football, but there's more parity to it. Uh, other WCAL games, Valley Christian at SHC. That'll be Friday night at Keysar. Last time Valley Christian visited Keysar was in 2021, when Jerion Dickey made an insane game-winning catch in the final minutes. We shook off a couple of tacklers. One of the best plays, maybe the best play, from his remarkable career. Also, Reardon at Bellarmine. Last year, these teams played a two-hour game that Bellarmine won 3 to nothing. one of the strangest games you'll ever see. I've seen a lot of football at a lot of different levels. It is the only game I've ever seen, college, high school, NFL, anything, without a single touchdown. I've seen games without offensive touchdowns at the collegiate level, but I've never seen a game without any touchdown, except for that. So that was an experience. I get the feeling that's not going to happen this time. Saturday, I'm probably going to the Washington-Balboa game, AAA action. Might also see Mission and Lowell on Friday afternoon, assuming Mission is able to play after everything that went down last week. One of the rare weeks with no Saturday WCAL action. It just so lines up that the four home teams play Friday night games, which doesn't happen all that often. I mean, it's more frequent than it used to be, thanks to SI now having lights. But in a league where two of the eight teams host games on Saturday, you'll get more Saturday action than in a typical league. And next week, for example, there will be two Saturday games, Bellarmine at Sarah and Midi at Reardon. The one Saturday game that catches my eye is Hollister at Monterey. Monterey coming off that surprising loss to Soquel. Hollister on a four-game losing streak. Their last two losses by a combined four points the three-point home loss to Alvarez, and then the one-point OT loss to Palma on the two-point conversion. How the Baylors respond to that will be very interesting. Really, it's both teams how they respond to some adversity. Really, the first adversity that Monterey's faced this year, and a Hollister team that four-game losing streaks are not common for that program. It's a program where losing is not that common altogether, but a four-game losing streak is especially rare. And it's going to take some digging through the Max Preps records to find the last time the Baylors lost four games in a row. In fact, their last four-game losing streak was in the 2019 season. They lost their final three league games to Carmel, Salinas, and Palma. Then lost to Aptos in the playoffs which is actually much more recent than I would have guessed. Before that, their last four-game losing streak was all the way back in 2009, where they got shut out in the final three of those games. So yeah, it's, it's rare. Anyway, I look forward to coming to you again soon with a rundown of what should be a pretty interesting and wide-open week. Really trying to get into this rhythm of uploading multiple episodes a week here on the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please be sure to rate this, whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or any other platform. Be sure to leave a review. 
Share it with your friends, repost it, spam people, send it via carrier pigeon, smoke signal, whatever you want. Just make sure that more people find out about it. Because ideally, the goal would be to get this to a point where I am able to focus on Bay Preps Insider full-time and not have to do other things like driving for rideshare services to make ends meet. And the easiest way to do that is just to get more and more people listening to the show. So even if you aren't in a position to contribute financially, just listening and getting to the point where we'll be able to run ads and profit off of having more listeners will be enormous. So thank you seriously for tuning in and for helping to spread the word. I look forward to talking with you again by the end of the weekend. This is Ethan Castle. This is the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. 